When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. After the season, I did figure that Hunter Dickinson would do what he has done, declare for the NBA draft while maintaining his college eligibility. I mean, Hunter was brilliant for the Wolverines last season. It was pretty easy to forget he was a freshman based on his production, his responsibility, and his mindset all year long. Now, what I and many did not necessarily expect was Hunter announcing this four days before the deadline. But as you'll hear from him here in a bit, this was a decision he legitimately wrestled with. It was not a case of procrastination or trying to make a big deal out of it. This for Hunter was a calculated thought out decision by a calculated, well thought out person. And ultimately, while I think Hunter has a pretty good idea about some of the things he needs to work on, whether he officially enters the NBA draft and foregoes his college eligibility, or if he does come back to Ann Arbor, it's a heck of a lot more valuable to get that type of feedback from the decision maker directly. Regardless of the decision, Hunter will make great use of whatever he hears. Just think about the type of impact that one-on-one instruction in film study with Juwan Howard, who knows a thing or two about the NBA, what that had on his game this past season. Hunter was ready for the big time, seemingly, from the Bowling Green opener on. The deadline to withdraw for early entry players like Hunter Dickinson is July 19th. Who knows what Hunter will do by then, But I do know one thing, when he does make that decision, it'll come after a thorough, productive process, even if he has to go deep into July to make it. As promised, we will hear from Hunter Dickinson about this decision, a little reflection from last year, and a whole lot more here on this week's edition of Defend the Block. We're talking Michigan basketball. Welcome to Defend the Block, where we'll take you inside the basketball programs with interviews, analysis, and so much more. Now, here's your host, Brian Bush. 
This is not reporting here. This is just my opinion, my prediction on the situation. But if I had to guess, I will say that Hunter Dickinson will indeed come back to Michigan for a sophomore season. I don't think that's that's surprising. I think a lot of people believe that is the case, that he will get some good information, some good feedback, taking a lot from the decision makers at the NBA level, and then use that to be a leader on a Michigan team that figures to be a real contender, not just in the Big Ten, but nationally. Now, we don't know how this could go. There could be a team or teams that really have fallen in love with Hunter Dickinson and what he can bring to the table. I mean, he would be able to play in the NBA right now. It's not a matter for Hunter Dickinson about whether or not he could make an NBA roster. When you are a soon-to-be sophomore at the collegiate level and you had the type of freshman year that Hunter Dickinson had, yeah, you can make it in the NBA, but For him and for others in similar situations, it's about maximizing your draft capital, your equity, what meaning and value you have to that first organization because it can go away so quickly. You want to make sure that you are giving yourself the absolute best chance, not just to get into the NBA, but to really stick in the NBA. I I make this comparison with Mo Wagner and what he was looking at after his sophomore season at Michigan. Mo could have gotten into the NBA, could have been a draft pick, would have been on a roster after his sophomore season in Ann Arbor, but then he came back as a junior, led Michigan to the national championship game, and earned his way into the first round. I think Hunter Dickinson has similar potential. I think he has a similar trajectory to what he's doing. And again, I just I love how he handles these situations, how he takes in feedback and coaching and look to the big picture. And the big picture for Hunter is, yes, I want to play in the NBA. And Hunter will talk about that. Who wouldn't? That's the dream of anybody who plays collegiately. I don't care if you're at Michigan or if you're at some Division II school. You just hope for a chance. You want an opportunity. But for certain guys, the opportunity can be improved upon by a real falling in love by an organization with a talent, with a player, with a person. And Hunter Dickinson has that ability. We all know the type of talent that he possesses. And there are still some things that are untapped in his game. He can shoot from the outside. I know it didn't come a whole lot during his freshman season, but I think that was more so based on, A, it wasn't consistent enough to be a real threat at the collegiate level this past season, mainly because He was just so effective on the inside, and Michigan had so many good players a year ago on the wings that will be a little bit less experienced. I mean, Michigan is going to lose Isaiah Liver, Sean D. Brown Jr., and Franz Wagner, all from kind of that wing group that was so dominant, was so impressive. Michigan has a ton of talent coming in in that position, and they have some existing talent there as well, but it's not as proven. So I think based on that fact, and also... Yeah, Hunter Dickinson, he can get into even better shape. He can be more of a factor. He can play more and more minutes. That can be a big thing for him to work on at the collegiate level. Again, this does not guarantee that he's going to come back. He is looking into this as diligently as anyone is because that's how he approaches things. But based on the situation and the background, I do believe that Hunter Dickinson will be back. But I'm excited about seeing what will happen here over these next six weeks or so, regardless Again, like I said off the top, it's a young man who is going to take in this information and really maximize it, but do it in a way that if he does come back to Ann Arbor, he's not going to try to just 
take his draft stock and put it at the very top of the priority list. This dude wants to win. He's hungry. He's ready to try to avenge what happened last season, as he will discuss that UCLA loss, because he he truly did believe, like I think pretty much every member of this Michigan basketball team, that they were going to win the national championship, got oh so close to the Final Four. Uh, That is motivation for him, regardless of this situation, but uh, a lot to think of for him, a lot to ponder, a lot of information to gather. Really excited to see how it all plays out. Also, just a special shout-out. We will get him on the podcast soon, but Harry Rafferty, the new assistant coach for Michigan women's basketball after head coach Kim Barnes-Rico went outside the program for a couple of hires. She stays inside it for somebody in Harry Rafferty who has been so valuable to this women's basketball program in recent years, doing things behind the scenes, getting valuable experience, working his tail off. You've got to be an absolute star in order to have your first assistant coach position be at Michigan. And based on the complexion of the staff, with Carrie Moore coming in from North Carolina, Val Nynema, who's really a rising star, someone who is getting her first opportunity at a truly big program and a big-time conference, I love the complexion of the staff that Kim Barnes-Rico has put together. So, again, excited to hear from Coach Rafferty. Also excited to hear from head coach Kim Barnes-Rico here coming up hopefully sometime later this month. But for now, let's get into it. Hunter Dickinson, Michigan's, well, we'll see. Soon to be sophomore or NBA eligible center. It'll be interesting to track, but here's Hunter on this breakdown of the decision on last season and a whole lot more. Always enjoy catching up with Hunter. Awesome to catch up with Hunter Dickinson just a little bit after he made a pretty important decision for his basketball career. Hunter, first off, man, how you doing? What's it been like between uh, the end of the season and now? Uh, you know, it's been a lot, uh, a lot of just kind of downtime, you know, just not really doing too much other than workouts, uh, just hanging out with my family. You know, I miss them a lot uh, with this year being so different. You know, I wasn't able to go home or you know, see him very much. So I'm trying to spend as much time with them as possible um, when I'm not working out in, in the gym. Yeah, I do want to get to that in a little bit, but let's start with the headline that you made announcing that you would indeed test the NBA draft waters. You are hiring an agent that allows you to maintain your eligibility. So this is not a guaranteed you're off to the NBA type of a situation. Just take me through that decision, that thought process, and why you elected to to make this move to explore, but not to fully commit one way or the other. Uh, I think with the season that I had, um, you know, I I felt like I earned the right to, you know, kind of see um, what NBA teams were saying. Um, that's why um, I was really big on trying to get an NCAA certified agent because I want some guidance in the process, but I also wanted to make sure that um, I was able to retain my eligibility. That was something that was very important to me, um, you know, just to be able to keep all my options open. I felt like this was a win-win situation for me um, to be able to, gather information on what NBA teams are saying, but also leave the door open to come back and not, you know, force myself to leave um, college. 
I don't think anyone was really surprised you elected to explore things and get some advice, but people were surprised it came out late in the game. The deadline was just a few days later. So was that something that you had decided on for a while? It, it just, hey, I don't need to announce it. What's the point at this stage? Or was it something you came to to decide after a lengthy thought process and reflection? Yeah, I would say I flip-flopped, you know, a couple of times. Um, you know, it was a really hard decision for me because, um, you know, college was something that, you know, it was hard to, um, you know, end the season the way we did, um, losing that game. You know, I've probably thought about it multiple times a day, every day um, since the UCLA game. But, you know, it was um, something that I really wanted to do. Um, like playing in the NBA is obviously a lifetime goal of mine. And so for me to be able to be this close to achieving it, um, you know, I would obviously try to take the chance to see, you know, if I'm, if NBA teams are saying I'm ready. Um, but also, you know, just, I think that's probably the biggest reason why I wanted to do it was because, you know, that's, my, like like I said before, it was my lifetime goal. And so to be able to, you know, essentially kind of do both, um, you know, have both doors open um, for me, I feel like testing was something that, you know, it made sense. Uh, it's a great addition. I'm glad that the college ranks and the NBA allows this. It, it helps a lot. Uh, several of your teammates from this past year have done this before where they have taken a look, gotten some advice. I know you know others in the game who have done it as well. Did you talk to any of them about their experience, about some bullets of advice to kind of help you along with what is it? It's going to be a unique process, right? I mean, you've never done it before. This is your first chance to do it. Uh, what advice have you sought out from others who have gone through it? Uh, I'm, I don't think I sought out any advice. You know, I just probably the most advice I've probably sought out for was just you know, what to do with, with either declaring or not declaring. I mean, I've, I talked to a lot of the guys on the team, you know, pretty much daily or not daily every other day. Um, and so, you know, I've always tried to, you know, talk to them, but I've also talked to, you know, like I have friends in the NBA and stuff like that, who I talk to, to, you know, find out their opinion and stuff like that. And, you know, coaches, people I trust, um, I think, you know, probably closer towards, the NBA workouts and combine and stuff like that, I'll probably, you know, seek out some advice on, you know, how to handle myself in those workouts and stuff like that. But for right now, I'm just glad that I got the decision out the way. I bet. Let's talk about your development and, and where you kind of want to go from here. During the season, I and a lot of others were really struck by by just how much you were invested in in the film study and in improvement and in being pretty open about what you needed to work on. But it's one thing to do that in the season, right? You have to get ready for an opponent after two or three days. Mm-hmm. What has it been like since the season? What are some of the things you've seen now that you know you have an off season to work on? Give me that self critique as you look back at your freshman year. Uh, you know, obviously something that uh, the biggest thing for me was my body. Um, I think that's something that I'm hearing from a lot of NBA teams is uh, like, what is, what is his body composition look like? And that's something that, I've taken, you know, really uh, head on this off season, you know, I'm on a strict diet over here. It's pretty hard, but, um, you know, I'm really changing my body and, you know, slimming down and getting pretty toned. So, you know, looking a lot better in that area. And then just also um, like on my movements and stuff like that in the weight room, um, my strength coach is focused a lot on 
you know, lateral movement and stuff like that, you know, being able to guard the ball screens um, on the either the collegiate or the NBA level, uh, you know, that's another big thing that people are trying to say that I can't do. So that's a that's a big area for me. And then just continuing to expand my game um, uh, on my shots, making it more consistent um, and everything like that. Uh, just those are probably the big main three things that I worked on this offseason. Something we heard from your teammates, from your coaching staff, something we knew from your high school career was you know, that your outside shot is not a typical center, big man outside shot. That was not a part of your game last season. We saw it in sprinkles here and there. Is it tough to develop that when you're not able to do it or it's not within the flow of the game much uh, during the season? I mean, how, how do you keep that sharp when, when the in-game reps maybe aren't as prevalent as they would be in high school? Uh, just, I mean, a lot of work outside practice. Or, I mean, um, the coaching staff did a really good job of making sure we got a lot of shots up in practice during the season. Um, I think that was one thing that um, they did a really good job of, making sure that we got a lot of threes, a lot of you know jumpers, a lot of game-like shots in practice. And I think that really helped me and the rest of the team. But also – you know, outside of practice, working with managers and stuff like that, um, getting up extra shots was something that, you know, I was okay, like not, I was almost that occasionally regular, regular, regularly doing. And so um, for me, it was just about getting the reps up uh, with my jumper. You seem to kind of understand the big picture where you're willing to have fun, you're willing to joke around about stuff, you're willing to recognize the fun in the game, but you also know that there, you know, this is a business, right? Like you want to turn this into your your livelihood one day, potentially as soon as as this summer. How do you balance the emotions of the stuff that maybe isn't the the quote unquote business stuff? Whether it is, hey, I've always wanted to win a national championship in college, and on the flip side, I always want to play in the NBA. I mean, is it difficult for you to compartmentalize that emotionally, or is that just kind of come with the nature of how you've handled your business so far? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely hard. I mean, um, being in this position, it's easy to kind of, uh, like, lose yourself in, like, how you are. Like, for me, you know, I just try to be as much as I can, like a normal kid, a normal 20-year-old uh, kid, and just, you know, kind of live life. But then again, like, I am aspiring to be a professional athlete, so I have to do things a little differently. Like, this summer, I don't really do much other than just – work out two, three times a day and just hang in my house for most, um, you know, most of the days. And so for me, it's kind of hard, but like you said, like winning a national championship, um, being a competitor, that's, that's what you want to do. You want to win every game you play. And for me, it was kind of hard because I was really, I really thought we were going to win it this year. And so, um, that is something that if I come back, that's definitely the main goal for me. And I know it's the main goal for coach Howard and the staff and, all the players coming back is to win a national championship for the University of Michigan because um, I think that's you know where where we are as a program. Uh, we're a national um, contender every year now with Coach Howard, and I think um, you know we're we're right on the doorstep of one. You alluded to your workout regimen. Thinking back 365 days ago to now. I know it's a, a different deal when you're playing in high school games versus yeah. playing in college, but just how much has your body evolved and maybe has your, I mean, has that unlocked anything that maybe you didn't, 
maybe you knew it was going to get there, but boy, it happened maybe a little quicker than you thought. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing like I try to do my best to get prepared for college basketball, but there's nothing that compares or that prepares you for college basketball, like college basketball. And so I think I really needed to, you know, have a couple of weeks of just going through, um, you know, college basketball preseason and um, season to really kind of understand what you have to do. Um, Coach Sanderson did a great job of getting me stronger. And I kind of felt that um, in the preseason and practices, like I started to kind of feel how I was getting stronger. Like usually with box outs, you know, in the preseason, I was kind of struggling um, with like rebounds and, you know, holding my own like down low and stuff like that. But I could tell like towards the end of the preseason, beginning of the season, like I was pretty stable, like I'm pretty strong um, with my legs and, you know, like my hips and everything. I just kind of felt that as I came, um, as the season came and I, me and Sam man were in there every day, you know, getting stronger and stuff like that. And I could really tell a difference, um, especially towards the end of the season, how I was just a lot stronger than I had been previously. Would like to ask you a couple questions about last season. Now that it's done, it's over. Uh, it was such a magical ride that had such a heartbreaking end. What do you think made that team so successful? Why was that team able to overcome in-game adversity, external pandemic-related adversity? To I mean, really, I mean, you talked about it a lot during the season. No one expected you guys to to be as good as you were outside inside i know you did how did that happen i really think um it was just the fact that everybody enjoyed hanging around each other um i think the biggest testament to that is uh, me and t whale were talking about it like in the beginning of the season how you know like who are going to be our rips uh, rips and everything like that and so um we were talking about how like you know i want to like i wouldn't mind if i was with him like on road trips and stuff like that. And um, I was looking around the room and I was like, damn, I just said that about everybody on the team. Like I was fine with being everybody's roommate. And so that, I think that's just an example of how everybody really enjoyed hanging around everybody. Like in the locker room, that was like the best time. Like I really, I genuinely looked forward to going to practice so that like that before and then after just hanging around and talking to the guys, like that interaction that, you couldn't have for the rest of the 18 hours that you weren't at the gym. I think that was something that was really special. And I think that was the main reason why we're able to buy in so much the, the coaching staff's game plans every game and buying into being unselfish. I think that was just like so important for us. Um, the fact that everybody enjoyed being around everybody. Um, Coach Howard did an amazing job of, you know, finding a team where, everybody enjoyed like everybody put their egos to the side and just wanted to win basketball games and doing and how we did that was buying into the coaches game plan and everybody playing their role I mean in college it's hard because you got probably a lot of guys who think they're NBA players and are being told by you know who who knows um, like that they need to average this many points and this many rebounds take this many shots per game in order to get there but this year, you never saw somebody, you know, just take a wild shot just because they have to. Um, you know, everybody tried to play within the offense, and I think that was something that made us so successful. Was everybody was just so selfish? I'm so selfless, 
and just really team oriented. Um, and I think that goes back to everybody just really enjoying um, each other. So what are the, the memories that stand out the most when you reflect back? What are the top memories from last year? I think, you know, the biggest memory was probably, ah, dang, that's hard. There's so many. I mean, there's just every day there was something just did like that happened. But I think probably, I mean, it's got to be the bubble. Um, just being there for 22 days uh, on one floor, hanging out with each other. I mean, you know, that's, that's stuff that, you know, we're going to remember forever. Um, other memories, I mean, winning at Maryland, like, you know, how fun that was. Winning at Wisconsin, those two games were, you know, really big games that, you know, were really fun. Winning at Ohio State, those, you know, those three games were probably, you know, one of the three top games that for me um, were fun because just, you know, afterwards, like, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a good celebration because those were good wins for us. Um, but, you know, there was just so many memories. I can't even, I probably can't even remember them right now. Um, it was a really special year. So was, that's probably why there were so many. Yeah, that's a good problem to have that you can't narrow it down. That's that's a good thing. You alluded to your family and just how much, you know, they've helped through this process, how much they've meant. Do you have a different appreciation, not just for being around them in, in, in this setting where it's, you know, it's, it's in the off season, you're training, stuff like that, but... You know, the fact that you weren't able to, you know, to go up to them after those NCAA tournament games in the bubble and, and share in those memories. I mean, how much, whether it's with Michigan or in the NBA, I mean, how much are you looking forward to being able to, hopefully, as long as things go the way we expect them to, to be able to embrace them after games and be around them when you aren't, you know, shoot around or, or getting ready for the game and stuff like that? I mean, you know, I, I think more than just the family, just, um, fans in general, I think like after games, it was pretty, uh, just, I want to say boring, but just like nonchalant to play. And then, you know, just walk back to your room with like no kind of interaction for like, you I mean, you could have scored 20 points and felt like you did nothing out there, you know, you won, but like, it was just like another day in the office kind of feel to it. Um, it wasn't no, like you win and you get to go out and everybody's celebrating because, you know, you scored 20 points in your team won or, you know, you got 10 rebounds or you, you know, made the game winning pass or game winning steal. Like there was nothing, there was no emotion like that. And I, you know, that was something that I can't wait for next year. I'm either collegially or in the NBA, you know, being able to celebrate with not, I mean, not only your family, but I guess just the fans in general. I can tell you, people appreciate it. I know they couldn't show it to you in person, but, man, you became a fan favorite really, really quickly. Uh, last one before I let you go. As someone who I, I know, without knowing, I know that you look to this man as, as family, Mike Jones, getting the opportunity at Virginia Tech. What did he mean to you and, and why, you know, if, if Michigan plays Virginia Tech, we're going to pull for Michigan, obviously. But I, I, I'm guessing you've got a second favorite college basketball team now because of what that man did for you. Oh, for sure. Um, I mean, I I can't say, you know, like obviously Coach Howard's done so much for me in a year. But, I mean, Coach Jones, I mean, he, Coach Howard was lucky to give me a 19, you know, not a grown man, but, you know, a, a, a grown young man at the time. I mean, Coach, Coach Jones had to inherit, you know, a 14, 15-year-old kind of chubby 6'10 kid who, you know, 
was slow and you know he, he had a lot of it was a big project um coach jones you know did so much for me um whether it was on the court or off the court i think uh, our relationship was strong um you know for the first couple of years but i think uh towards the end of my junior going into senior year um the conversations that we had got a lot deeper um you know there's there's a lot of button heads in those conversations you know a lot of conversations that players usually don't have with their head coaches um you know he kind of looked toward I mean, I, at least he i felt like he kind of looked towards me as you know not just a normal player but you know like somebody who like not an equal but somebody who he can really listen to and take advice from um you know i would give him my opinions on what we were doing and he would definitely give me his opinions um and so i think we really you know grew close and you know i just got off the phone with him probably 15 minutes ago and you know that's somebody who i'm going to look for for advice um, look for for friendship um, and just somebody who's going to be in my life for the rest of my life and so i'm really appreciative of him and what he's done for me um, on and off the court so if you were given the option say this is a for instance if you came back if you were given the option of choosing michigan's Big Ten ACC Challenge game. Would you pick Virginia Tech? Would you want to go up against him and the Hokies or not? Uh, that that would be rough. I mean, that would be tough because I definitely would, but there's definitely some teams in the ACC I want to see too. Um, you know, some teams in North Carolina I would definitely like to play. But Virginia Tech would definitely – I told him this. I told him, I'd be like, yo, if I come back, you better be careful who's, who you guys get scheduled with in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. <laughs> Oh, that's I man. One of these days, I want to. Based on your Maryland tweet, I want to get you analyzing schedules one of these days. But that's for another time. Hunter, appreciate it. Thanks so much for uh, opening up here right after such a big decision, and we look forward to, to seeing what's next. Obviously, selfishly, a lot of Michigan fans hope that that you do elect to come back, but uh, you got a lot of fans rooting for you regardless. So, thanks for the time, my man. All right, thanks, Brian. In terms of player interviews, it doesn't get much better than Hunter Dickinson. Always very thankful to have him. He's gracious with his time. It's not coach, player, speak. I mean, he will tell you like it is, at least within reason. He doesn't give you the scouting reports by any stretch, but uh, really good dude and excited to see what the next six weeks hold for him. Also excited to see what the next few weeks hold for Michigan baseball. On Tuesday's edition of Conquering Heroes, also here on the feed on MGO Blue Podcasts, John Jansen caught up with the head coach of Michigan baseball, Eric Backich, to break down the Wolverines in the NCAA tournament. Maybe some deja vu from 2019. This year, the Wolverines were the third to last team in, according to the committee. In 2019, Michigan went from the second-to-last invite. They were, in essence, the 63rd team out of 64 to get into the NCAA tournament, and they made it all the way to the National Championship Series, ultimately falling to Vanderbilt. But that was such a magical run for that 50-win 2019 club. Here's hoping the Wolverines have some similar magic as they head to the South Bend Regional. Notre Dame is the host. Michigan, the three seed, will take on UConn, the two seed, coming up on Friday night. Central Michigan out of the MAC also in there. They get the host Notre Dame in the opener on Friday. Also, Thursday in the trenches, we'll have a little Rutgers preview for you as 
we continue our game-by-game preview of Michigan in 2021. That comes out on Thursday. Again, thank you to Hunter Dickinson. Thanks to Tom Wyrod for helping to organize that and all of our interviews on the men's side. And thanks to all of you for listening as well. Subscribe, rate, review. Send us an email, michiganwolverinesradio at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Brian Bush, B-R-I-A-N-B-O-E-S-C-H. Until next time, thank you so much for listening, and go blue. Thanks for listening to today's edition of Defend the Block, part of our Michigan Athletics Podcast Network, M-Go Blue Podcasts. The preceding is a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Michigan Sports Network.